Hi there, welcome to the More Simple Podcast. This is a podcast for Blacks, Asians, and those who love them. I am Mo, and I am your host, ready to spark your curiosity as I take you on this adventurous ride of exploring cultures through the stories of my guests from all over the world. On this show, we get really personal, discussing salient issues that are relevant to our contemporary age and also building community around them. As our guests exercise courage and vulnerability in sharing their life's experiences, we hope that in turn you are inspired by them and that you get the courage in it to set your own stories free. Enjoy the ride and thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is Mo here. And if you're just joining us for the first time, welcome aboard. We hope you stay for a very, very long time. Today, I I, I have an, a guest on the show. She's been here before, but I feel like it's very necessary to explain why she's back on the show. And it's a lesson I keep learning as a podcast host to really not always go with the agenda I have and to be okay with, you know, doing like a pivot if necessary or... You know, not really what people tell you, but what they're saying to you, right? So the last time she was on the show, she had said some things that she actually mentioned about three times, if anyone really caught that during the time of the show. But then I thought about, you know, do I ask her that? I'm not sure if she's going to be comfortable talking about this because it wasn't on the agenda and I didn't want to make her uncomfortable. And so while I was editing the episode, I realized that, dang it, you know, you should have just asked her that. And if she wasn't comfortable, she would have just said, you know, I don't want to talk about it now. And then you'll have done your job as a host. So it didn't sit well with me. So I reached out back to her on Facebook. I was like, you know what? Hey, while I was editing your podcast, you had made an emphasis on your, you know, okay. So what she had said was her mom, you know, single-handedly raising her and her sisters. And she said it three times. You know, I wasn't sure whether to expand on it because, you know, I guess it's a a touchy subject. It wasn't part of our plan talk. I wished, you know, I had done, you know, my due diligence. But not sure if you wanted me to ask, but if it's okay for me to follow your breadcrumbs, would I come back on the show again to explore this particular, um, you know, angle? And she's like, yes, I would love to. So anyways, you guys now know why she's back on the show. She's not new to the show. Like I said, her name is Dr. Peace. She is a doctor of pharmacy. She also describes herself as a transformational rhythmic speaker, an empowerment girl, and a radio show personality. Through her process, she has guided hundreds of women in creating a life they deserve and desire by owning their innate gifts and talents, as well as pursuing their passions. Her mission is to help a thousand women clarify and also define their soul purpose and confidently help them advance towards that purpose. Her motto is together we thrive or you keep it going. Everyone, without further ado, please join me in welcoming Doc Peace back on the show. Thank you so much, Mo, for having me. It's a pleasure. My really pleasure. Is. My pleasure. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming back. So You're I'm gonna so do very, I'm gonna do a better job today as a host to not only just listening because I heard everything you said. So just let you guide the conversation because at the end of this, I would like to tease out that aspect of your story and even see what impact, if any, is having in your life and whatever what, what we can learn from your story. 
because you know we are life givers and you know whatever can help inform the process of the people listening to this podcast i think that might be quite helpful so i already you know let the cat out of the bag but let's just start a little bit about you know your childhood which i'm not going to go deep into because we've talked about that during the last show so guys go catch up on that episode it was you know out this year so can you tell us a little bit about your childhood experience like growing up with parents and siblings before the separation and also how old were you when your parents separated? Yes. So first of all, I, I want to commend you on your incredible uh, hosting skills. This is definitely a skill set that you have mastered. So I really appreciate you for being here and for having this platform. Thank you. Um, to answer your question, um, this isn't an easy topic for me to discuss, first of all, because it's something that I don't commonly share. Um, I have uh, a tendency to to forget or um, not hold in within me um, anything that has ever happened in the past that um, no longer resonates. Um, I'm really big on releasing that negative energy and not holding on to it. Um, it's not a matter of denying that it happened. It's just a matter of moving on and moving past. Um, and so um, your question really is, when did my parents separate and how old was I? And because of my tendency to um, forget details of my past that are negative and no longer resonate, I honestly cannot tell you the exact age I was, but I do remember that I was young, um, probably in the uh, in the six to six to eight range um, age um, age range, um, and I I recall certain moments um, of that time in which I knew things were falling apart, um, but I understood that somehow things would be okay. <laughs> Uh, even in that young age, I understood that um, somehow things would would work out, um, and it did. Oh wow! Um, first of all, thank you for sharing that. And before I ask you a follow up question. I think the other first question was, what was life like before the separation? If you could just tell us a little bit more about your childhood. And sorry for asking you two questions at once. Yeah, no, no worries. You are a great host, Mel. You're wonderful. Thank Um, you, you're kind. You're so welcome. Okay, so I recall having my mother around um, often, um, more so than my father. So even before the separation, my mother was predominantly raising us, me and my two siblings, my two sisters, me being the middle um, of of the three. Um, And so in a way, I kind of got used to having her as my my parental figure, my sole parental figure, even before the separation. Uh, She worked nights. Um, she worked nights even before the separation. She still continues to work the late shift, um, as a, um, a nurse now. Uh, it's called the, what is it called? <laughs> the late night nursing shift. <laughs> the graveyard. Yes, the graveyard <laughs> yeah, shift. The graveyard yes. shift, yeah. So she was working the graveyard shift even before the separation and, um, for a couple of reasons. Um, one, so that she could take us to school and pick us up. And the other, because it paid really well. 
um, you got like additional um, bonuses for working that graveyard. And so she continues to work that graveyard now. And I remember us um, waiting for her to uh, to get home um, or uh, to... We were always so excited to to see her and be in her presence, and she'd bring like a watermelon home, and we kind of always joke that my younger sister is the watermelon baby because during that time period she was six, she was just born, and I distinctly remember her just um, eating tons of watermelon <laughs> um, before her birth. She in in my mother's room, she was eating watermelon. Um, through my mother. And then when she was born, she was still uh, all about that watermelon. Um, but that's one of the uh, strongest memories I have, like of um, during that exact kind of time period where things shifted was our fascination and our love for watermelon. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's funny what, you know, memories binds us together and how simple things like watermelons, you know, have different meanings to different people. So thanks for sharing that. Um, so you're welcome. Let's just get maybe. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks a lot. Um, we can keep doing this. Thank you. Welcome. So Nigerian, oh, you know, on the podcast. <laughs> it's, actually, it's actually something that I've been striving to do this year specifically yeah. is accepting gratitude. Oh, nice. <laughs> Teach me your ways. Um, so, <laughs> um, just a little bit of a reminder was your parents met here in the U.S., correct? Yes, correct. They met here in the I, U.S. I think you said your your dad or was it your mom that came for grad school or so, and then they met here. Was it your dad was in grad school? So um, my my mother actually went to um, to get her nursing degree. Um, and, um, I actually remember a picture of her sitting by the fountain at the university that she went to, um, looking so beautiful, young and, um, excited for life. And, um, yeah. So yes, my parents did meet here in the States. Um, they connected, they, they married, um, they had kids, um, and it, you know, it, it didn't work out. <laughs> So um, I needed that template to kind of understand just, you know, the dynamic of the relationship so that way it can help with the next question I'm going to ask. So at the time of the separation, do you, did you understand the implications of what had happened? I mean, admittedly, your mom, you know, worked at night and she was like the parental figure. So maybe you didn't really, really notice a lot of difference. But I'm just curious to know if you really did, you know, feel the, the vacuum your father left by not being in the house anymore. It wasn't really a vacuum because, like I said, my my mother was the predominant uh, caregiver in the in the household even before um, the separation. So it, it didn't really feel like there was anything really missing because <laughs> because my mother provided so well, um, and I really commend her for doing that um, because it wasn't easy being in. Uh, uh, being in a new country, first of all, and second of all, having to navigate it um, almost single-handedly. Um, she had her brother. She's, we have uh, my uncle here in the States as well to, to guide and to support and to kind of fig, fill in that, that uh, father figure. Um, so, but mo- for the most part, I mean, she, she was a provider um, emotionally, financially, um, physically present um, when she could be, when she wasn't working. 
All right. Thank you for that. So you're welcome. As you were sharing your story, I was, I'm going to ask you this and it's okay if you're able to answer this. Um, but let me just balance my, my response based on your question. Cause I really want to do justice to your story. I know of cases where women step up the plate. It's not the ideal situation, but somebody's got to do the job and mm-hmm. kudos to your mom for stepping up and not, you know, letting that, you know, go. But I can imagine that that was a lot of stress on her and, and having said that, it's not really the ideal situation, but it was just what that what, what had to be done in that moment. Would you say prior to the separation, would you say that maybe a lesson here would be um, defining roles earlier on? So that way, because it sounds to me like before your dad even left, it didn't make any difference either way, which, you know, there's something to be said about that. Um, and perhaps I don't know the full story and, you know, there's always hard truth, his truth and somewhere in the middle. But I'm just thinking of lessons to be learned is, you know, like fathers, mothers doing their role and be, you know, be consistent. So that way, when you leave or if if you have to leave for whatever reason, you'll be missed. You know, you're not just eligible. It seems like, you know, it didn't make any difference from what you said. Would you say that's a lesson we can learn from that? I mean, that's that's a good point. Um, I mean, there are some pleasant moments I have of, of my father. Um, he was never really like the dis- disciplinary type. He was what I recall is that um, he was he was fun and lighthearted when he was around. Um, however, I do feel like I got some uh, some uh, ill traits um, from him um, because he didn't really share very well. And that's always something that's been kind of like a family joke growing up. Um, the, the lack of, uh, sharing uh, and it's something that I'm working on now. But, um, th- with that being said, um, most of my memories are more so of my, of my mother being present, um, and doing the disciplinary, um, taking disciplinary actions and showing us right from wrong and um, and teaching us how to be not only a good person but a successful person. Well, thank you for uh, clarifying that. And I guess one thing to learn here You're is welcome. also, um, I guess redundancies can happen in relationships especially you know in the parental units and so for those listening to this fathers current fathers current mothers or fathers to be mothers to be is you know um on your role on your own in such a in, in such a way that your impact to be felt in ways. now I, I'm, I'm i'm curious to know this though i i grew up with a father and a mother and even though my father to me felt like he wasn't home growing up for reasons that I, as I grew older, I realized that it was because of his job. His job made for a situation where he was super provident. Like my dad made sure that we went to the best schools. We got everything we needed. But the cost of that was he was absent from home. And so when he'll come home, he would do this rushed parenting, like, you know, um, discipline, discipline, like almost like you missed the whole day. Then you came like 15 <laughs> minutes block and you, had, you wanted your presence to be felt. So he came with a full force. So I didn't grow up really getting to know him. And I had this, you know, warped idea of who he was. I really thought he was like next to the devil. That's, that was the impression I had of my dad. And as you can imagine that growing up and becoming, you know, the woman that I am, I had this huge dad size hole in my heart, like, and what people call daddy issues, which it's still in the process of resolving. 
you know um now we're in a situation where we talk we've made amends but i wouldn't really easily call myself daddy's girl because right now we're more like friends than you know father daughter <laughs> i mean sometimes i can see that but we're still trying to make a relationship of father daughter but someone i really do care about and i realized that i really didn't know so well about him now you had said that you really didn't feel a difference when your dad was around and when he wasn't around but can you just explain like would you say that there was any aspect of him that you missed by not having like you know that full parental unit Yeah, so that's interesting what you said about how when your dad was around, uh he did that disciplinary action for 15 minutes and then he was gone again. Um what I recall more so of my father's presence was more of like a play playful time for that 15 minute segment that he was around um because he too was working very um very much to kind of keep um to keep the household going. um when he was around um and um i recall like just having like some like a playful moment with him um or like um him sharing his his stash of cashews or nuts um <laughs> um that's what i kind of referred to earlier about the the stinginess and sharing <laughs> um so that's something that i i do recall um growing up is having this playful moment and getting some cashew treats well um so there's watermelon and as cashew i wonder what the next you know um delicacy would be <laughs> but the the surprising thing is um oftentimes when there's like these like kind of um physical um tangible objects in like the past especially in moments that um were not so light they were more like kind of i guess dark moments of my life oftentimes when people kind of like tend to not even want anything to do with those particular objects that they've put like uh this negative connotation with but um with that being said i eat watermelon almost every day and still eat cashews like especially especially dark chocolate covered cashews every single day so like there's no like negative energy that i have towards that moment it's more of okay that happened um it didn't work out and <laughs> I'm fine. I'm still going to eat my water and a little of my cashews. The, the psychologist to me might even though I'm no one, the psychologist to me might be quick to say that's probably a way of you connecting with your dad, you know. Mm. Perhaps. And a deep level. Perhaps. Perhaps. Um, well, my dad is my perhaps. mom. The watermelon yeah, and your mom and the with cashews. the watermelon. Yeah, and the cashew. Um, so I'd like to ask you this next question again because I really want to do a good job in representing your story. So you yeah, had talked about your mom being the primary caregiver. Was your dad like what was your dad's situation that made him that made for him not being, you know, available? So that's something actually I really kind of don't want to get into um because I feel that that ties more into my mother's story versus my own. Um that's okay. But I do want to say though that although i don't talk about the my like my past growing up often um i integrated a lot into my spoken word um so 
Uh, something about what you just mentioned is that I'm a transformational rhythmic speaker. And what that means, um, for those of you who don't know, I'm a spoken word artist. And I channel what I call these flows of stories and uh, messages and um experiences and lessons that I've learned from my past life. Um, and it just seems to flow like rhythmically. And so there's a particular flow actually that comes to mind um, called what is love that I originally wrote a couple years ago. Um, and it starts off with telling the story of uh, of a moment from my past in which my parents were arguing. And I don't even, I didn't even fit, like actually consciously recall this moment. However, when I, uh, when I write my poetry, I get these channeled flows. So it, it just came out. It just spewed out like on paper. And so it starts off with, um, I see red, bright red, streaked along the kitchen floor, all along the walls and floor. <sighs> It's actually kind of emotional. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, when I had red, I'm like, is that blood? Um, when I first saw the red, I thought it was. I thought it was blood. Um, was it watermelon? I'm actually, <laughs> actually going to pull it up because it's been so long since I've... So um, this particular flow is called What is Love? Would you like to hear it? Sure. Go ahead. Yeah. Yes. Um... I see red, bright red, strewn along the kitchen floor and all along the walls and cabinet doors. My heart quickens with fear. My parents are at it again. And then I see the broken jar of tomato sauce. Not sure who the winner was or who took the loss. I just see my mom on her knees scrubbing the rug and begging me, please, Biko on them. Watch your step now. There is glass everywhere. I'm just a child, but I can feel her pain. Those eyes are saying, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. What is love? Oh, wow. So that's just the beginning of that particular flow. So but. the spoiler was tomato sauce. Thank God it wasn't just blood. But um, I think <laughs> Thank God. we'll leave the rest to the imagination as to what could have caused separation. And the reason I actually asked you that question, I didn't mean to be intrusive, would be... So as Nigerians, we know that family is not just, you know, mom and dad. It's the unit that supports it. So and true. if you've been displaced from your original culture, like you and I, because, you know, we live here. We're not part of our people back home in Nigeria. And living in a country like the U.S. where everything is transactional, you know, you don't have your aunties, your uncles, your neighbors who really care about you. If you don't have money in this country to, like, pay for it, pay your way through daycare and, you know, babysitters and all that, it's super hard to, you know, parent children here in the U.S. And so I wanted to just find out what the um, family support was like. Because you had initially mentioned that your dad's brother, your mom's brother, you know, was around as well. But I'm curious to know, were there any interactions with extended members of your dad's family that could have served as a buffer to insulate whatever was going on at home? And the reason I'm asking this is perhaps even though the internal unit was a bit turbulent, 
if there was some external force because i feel like family can sometimes be quite helpful to you know restore peace but when you're away from you know fam and by family i mean like you know like people in nigeria and people that you consider your family and your community it's kind of hard to like you know um get things done but i was just curious to know what your response would be to that question yes i mean that's such a good question uh so growing up i didn't quite understand what was going on but now as i'm older i do understand that i did have um uncles and aunts who um who supported in one way or another either financially or emotionally um but again being that i was so young growing up i don't know the ex- actual extent to that support um i do know that one of um one of my my uncles my my mom's brother was pretty much present very very often um he did a lot of things growing up that i felt that a father figure would do um it turned out that he actually had two two sons of his own that were me and my older sister's exact age so we often would um would be able to do things with um with their family and um in fact we actually lived in their home i recall soon after the um the separation we lived in their home for about a year and shared the exact the same space with them kind of grew up with them um and uh and would do a lot of activities and so from 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 as far back as i can remember like my uncle has been a huge presence um kind of like that father figure in my life okay Well, I guess it is what it is. It no, is what um, it is. <laughs> thanks for answering that, you know, honestly. The You're welcome. Question I'd like to ask you, it might not necessarily be relevant to your case, but I'm just going to go ahead and ask and let me know what aspect you can answer. So, I believe that as human beings or well, as human beings, yeah, we embody both feminine and masculine, you know, energy and whether you're a female or male, you have those two, you know, aspects to you. But of course as a female, typically you expect to exude more of the feminine energy, softer, you know, emotionally strong. And if you're male, you you're typically supposed to express more of the masculine energy, whatever mm-hmm. that means. So, um in 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 a lot of the observations and these are not necessarily supported by, you know, data points, it's just me speaking anecdotally. Whenever I find you know family units where there's been a fracture in the relationship and say for example the mom has to step up they they have to more than overcompensate for that you know lack mm. of the, of the father figure and they become almost like fathers themselves now mm. it's not necessarily the right thing but something has to a vacuum has to be filled Yeah. And it becomes so much pressure and so much stressful on the mom to play the role of the father and you know the 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 mother as well. And perhaps one can argue that what probably caused the fraction could be so many issues, but one issue could be if the man already felt, you know, oh well, I'm not even needed anyways. I look around, your mother seems to be doing everything. And so I'm just curious, you know, regarding the role your mom had to play like i said i have a huge respect for women who you know rise up to the occasion and make sure that their children are you know kept for and taken care of but would you say there are any lessons to be learned about balancing our energies in such a way that one party doesn't make the other party feel like 
than negligible. Mm. Wow, what a well thought out question. This is incredible. Uh, so I do have to say that what I do recall growing up is that there were things my mother could do and there were things that she could not do. Like you can like there's certain aspects that you just can't feel no matter how much you try. Um, such as like being handy, being able to fix things. She, um, she would ask, she still have asked for help for fixing things physically with her hands or, um, or any tech, tech like question. And so growing up, she would first refer to us to help with that. Like, can we fix that? Can we put up the Christmas lights? Can we, um, fix the door that's broken? Can we, um, can we help with the computer? Can we log into this? Can we do that? So like growing up, because um, there was like a need for support in this arena, she would refer to us first as her children. Because like, you know, Nigerian children, it's like you, you kind of serve us. <laughs> and so we did in that way. We did in the best we could. Um, and so, uh, now as I'm older, I find that I do have some of those masculine traits. Um, if you, if you want to put it like that, like I'm feminine, um, but I'm also very like handy. Um, I can fix things or at least I'll try to fix things or try to figure it out if it's not too complicated. Um, I'm very like relatively tech savvy. And I have to say that it might stem from having having the need to fill in this, this gap and to support my mother in this way, the best as I could, as I, as I, as I was growing up. Thank you for that. One can argue that the overexpression of your masculine traits didn't come naturally. It was something that had to come out of a situation. And it might not necessarily be a bad thing, you know, yeah. but sometimes it might have its demerits. But thanks for that. Um, so You're how would you say your mom was able to cope with the challenges of taking care of four of you, especially financially and otherwise? Yeah. Three of so, you, sorry. Yes. So, I mean, she took care of herself, so that makes it four, right? Um, so she... All I can say is that she did. <laughs> she did. Um, she has a very strong faith. So that was huge. That was so big in, um, in helping her overcome any like limiting beliefs or any doubts or fears that would come up, um, in, in the process of raising us. And one motto that I shared with you when I was previously on your, your show was, Keep it moving. Get it going. Get it going. Get it going. Um, That's been a family mantra even before my mother. So my great grandfather was the chief of our tribe back in Nigeria. I don't know if I shared that. And that was his motto that he would tell tell uh, the the members of our tribe would be to get it going, set our intentions and get it going. So that got passed down from to my um, grandfather or my grandmother. And then my mother, who like, that was her mantra, because she knew that in order for us to be successful in life, 
We needed to not be distracted from all these other distractions. <laughs> um, yeah, and I'm and get it going, basically get it going, and that's something that I'm always uh, that's my personal mantra too, and something that I'm always sharing with my clients how important it is to set your intentions and get it going. It's a good reminder to just get it going. Mm-hmm. My advice used to tell us keep it moving, but I think mm-hmm. it's similar messages. Um, yes, <laughs> I have about four or five questions before we round this off, but so I'm just yes. gonna try to hurry through them. And the next one will be this. Um, what stigma would you say if any you've experienced with this? Because, you know, I don't know what your community was like wherever you grew up in New Jersey. I, I can't remember the state where you grew up. But did you have any stigma for being, you know, coming from? Because I imagine that sometimes Africans can, they might not really say things with words, or maybe they might say things with words. But did you experience any stigma? And if you did, how were you able to navigate that? Stigma so, from coming from, you know, um, you know, a diverse home. So I personally have not felt the stigma. Um, but again, that's just one of the, um, the traits that I have. I, I don't notice the negativity around me, honestly. So if there was any negativity or any negative expression about, um, us coming from a single parent home, I didn't notice it. But I do recall my mother saying how important it was for her to show up and for us to, 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 to show up as well, um, in a way that reflected well on her being a single parent. Oh, that pr- the pressure of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, what would you say has been, or what's your relationship like with your siblings? And would you say this incident really brought you guys together? Or would you say there were some areas that were affected because of this? I would have to say that my relationship with my siblings is pretty good. Um, I feel like we've been able to talk it over amongst us um, and and somehow like overcome it and move on and get it going. Okay. okay. All right. And do you still communicate with your father today? I do not. But that is something that I've actually been recently looking to rectify. Okay. How about your other siblings or even your mom? Do they still keep in touch with him in any form or shape? Not that I know of. All right. Um, What lesson would you say you've learned from your mom's life? And how has that experience shaped you in terms of choices and decision making regarding your life? So my mother is such a strong woman. Uh, her life story is incredible. And so what I've learned from the story that she's lived and the journey that she's been on is that anything is possible as long as you put your mind to it and you get it going. And taken from that my experiences growing up and um and kind of seeing firsthand how powerful and strong that you can be if you put your mind to it and you stay focused and you stay grounded and you have faith in yourself and your higher power it's like you it's you're unstoppable unstoppable 
Um, and anything is possible. And so that's literally like how I live my life now. That's how I'm able to, to have become a doctor of pharmacy, to become a transformational speaker, get paid to speak at various events like around the globe. Um, how I'm, I'm a business coach and I empower my, the confidence in my clients. This is how I've created this, this life for myself. And this is what I strive to create in others, this empowerment to get it going. Wow. Thank you for that. And I think it's a lesson we can also remember to, you know, um, keep things moving regardless of our circumstance. Now, the next question I'll ask you is still a mirror question of the initial one, but to be like, what would you do differently what, what was that one thing you did differently than your mom did? Still learning from her. Perhaps something she taught you directly or something you observed. But if you could, if you, something you have very determined to do differently from your mom. Forgive. That's powerful. Forgive. Yeah, I feel that. That's powerful. Holding on to um, those who have done us wrong um, or those who we think have done us wrong it doesn't serve anyone. And so what I strive to do is to release, to release that negative energy, to release, um, that woe is me to release that, to release all the, that, to release anything that doesn't serve us. And that, and that's holding on to, to grudges um, and so that's something that I strive to do um, now and that I will continue to strive to do more so in the future, because I know that there's going to be there's going to there's going to be things that um, that happened that that happened to me or that ha- that um, that I can't control. However, I know that um, that there's power in in releasing and releasing all of that and moving on. Wow, thanks for that reminder. I, I think it's it's very clear and self-explanatory. We don't even need to even delve deep into it. Forgiveness is is such a powerful, um, I guess, attribute to have, regardless of what has happened to us, whether things we cursed on ourselves or things others did to us. So I really do appreciate you for you know that yet simple but profound message of you know forgiving others. Uh, my next question is, is what long-term effects would you say, you know, this has had on you, say, maybe, have you had any issues of it reflecting on your relationships? It doesn't have to be romantic. It could just be maybe trust, you know, being defensive or too much masculine energy. And how have you been able to overcome this, you know? If you have been able to overcome any one of them, please let us know how you did it. So I'm going to give you a moment to, like, let that question digest, the questions digest. Hmm. That's another great question. I mean, it's (laughs) yes. So on a more positive note, I am, I feel like I am quite an independent person, um, because of my mother. Um, however, there are some, um, some other aspects that I, I'm still, um, working on, uh, or that I've, I've recently, um, been able to, to, uh, overcome. And one of the, one of them is what I recently mentioned about, um, 
stinginess, not wanting to share like my peanuts. <laughs> um, and, um, and I'm learning more about how important it is to share, to share doses of inspiration, to share, um, to share business strategies, to share, to collaborate, to connect, because that's truly how we grow and how we, how we prosper. And that's actually another motto of mine, together we thrive. Um, so that's something that, um, I've learned, um, growing up. Um, and, uh, let me think. I'm also learning how important it is to stay rational. Um, I recently had this discussion actually a couple days ago with a friend and we were talking about how this idea of rational rationality is false. We think we are rational beings um, because on a day-to-day basis, we're fairly rational. But when it comes time for us to actually show our rationality, um, like moments of um, of conflict or whatnot come up, we are the most, we we tend to be very irrational beings. Um, and so that's something that I've, um, I've been in the process of acknowledging and overcoming, um, because growing up, I, there's many irrational instances that have happened that I've seen, um, that I've seen happen, um, you know, during that time of separation and then, um, before that separation and then even moments afterwards. Um, and so kind of seeing that firsthand kind of growing up and then, um, seeing others do it outside of my family as well, be so irrational. And, um, it, it's something that we kind of tend to ingrain in us that it's okay. (laughs) It's okay to express, um, and it, it is, but it's also very important to, to have a nonviolent form of communication. <laughs> and, yeah. and by violence, right, so I mean both physically. Exactly. Yeah, well, or, not, not just yes, physically, yes. but mentally, emotionally. Um, emotionally, because, yes, yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yes. Mm, that was profound. Thanks. Thanks. You're um, welcome. So, I I also have this theory that no matter how perfect your parents are, there's always that transference of parental wounds on the children. Um, no parent is perfect; they only do their best, and the onus is us on us, the kids, to do better than the template that our parents have given us. So I think that most parents are are good people; they are just trying their best. In, except if you are really outright, you know, trying to kill your kids, then yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to consider you a good parent. No. And I can imagine that in, in your situation where, you know, there was a breakage in the family units, there are some wounds that, you know, they're just evident, you know, it's, it's something that it wasn't ideal, but it's happened. So I want to know from you, have you explored therapy? And if yes, has that been quite helpful in helping you make sure that this is not something you, you know, take into your own role, if you, whatever plans you have for like, you know, replicating your, you know, your life as far as being a mom or, 
you know, being a spouse or in any other regard? Yes. Another, another great question. I do plan on being a mother in the future. And yes, I have explored, um, personal therapy. I work with coaches, with, um, with specialists, um, personally and business wise, um, as well as a nonviolent communication coach on, and things like that to really understand myself and, uh, ways I can improve um, upon certain characteristics that no longer serve me, uh, let alone others, um, because I feel like I'm here on this planet. Um, my sole purpose is to empower others to define their sole purpose. And I cannot do that. I cannot fulfill my sole purpose without doing this inner work. Um, it's a combination of inner and outer work, definitely. Whether you guys have it, you know, please seek a therapist if you, whatever. I think everybody needs a therapist at this point because we've had a huge traumatic event last year. COVID was a whole trauma. So when next year filling your questionnaire, they ask you, have you ever had trauma? Make sure you say yes because COVID 20, you know, (laughs) or 19, whatever it's called, that's a traumatic event right there. Um, This next question, um, I I think it also goes back to um, expectations. Would you say that your mom showed supportive? In that regard, as far as, you know, um, having all the tools she needed to be, to have made that informed decision that maybe led her to say, you know what? I don't think it's going to work anymore. Or would you say, you know, ah, no, and definitely not. I don't know why this is even coming out, but I just wanted to know, does that question even make sense as I'm saying it? It does. It does. Okay. And, thank you. Um, so your question was, do I feel like my mother felt supported in that she can make it on her own? Um, and my answer to that would be, I can't answer that question for her. Um, however, I, what I do know is what happened. And I do know that she, um, she did, she didn't make it on her own. Um, that's a fact. And, um, she did what she needed to do to make it on her own, whether that meant working 14 out, 14 days straight, um, graveyard shift, um, or, not taking vacations and saving her vacation days so that she could continue to to work and make the money to do what she needed to do to raise us to to create um, a, a living for herself. I all I know is that she did it. She made it happen. She got it going, and wow. so supported or not, she did it. She's an independent woman. Thank you for that. Um, finally, will be what? What would you like to tell single moms listening to the show right now? It's possible. What it's is possible. possible? It's possible to to succeed. <laughs> and I, 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 I honestly do believe that everyone has their own definition of success. And I believe that success is when your future self looks back at your present and smiles back with content because it knows that you're making forward moves to achieve that future vision. So my, what I'd like to share though, is that it, it, it's, it's possible. It's possible to, to, to succeed. <laughs> it's possible to reach that future vision of yourself and succeed. And, um, you know, my, my mother did it, um, and um, she's taught us how important it is that we can 
we can do it too, as long as we put our minds to it and get it going. Got it. How about to? But reach for, reach out for help. I gotta say that she did reach out for help multiple times when she when she needed it. Yes, yep. yes. Thanks for that yep. reminder. How about for children from like you know single parent households? Listen to this. From the children from single parent households. So if you're like myself and you know how it is to be raised by a single parent, I mean you know how how valuable um, it is to be independent. Um, so in that independency, that it's also very important to reach for help, to reach out for help. Um, you don't have to go it alone like your parents did. I don't have to go it alone like my parents did. Um, and <laughs> there is support in, there is support out there waiting. There's like the therapists that we talked about who are waiting to support you. There's the handyman down the street who's waiting <laughs> to support you. Uh, there's, um, there's a, a partner. There's a church community. There's um there's a partner if you haven't yet found one who's waiting to to walk along that journey with you. Um I currently have a partner of four years and we're very very happy together. Um so because it didn't work out for your parents does not necessarily mean it cannot work out for you in that in having a strong, successful relationship. Um, but it is important to um, to acknowledge whatever demons or whatever negativity that might still exist within you, that trauma that might still be hiding, to to um, to address that and bring it out. And I'm still working on 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 some of that trauma. Um, yeah. But for the most part, <laughs> I'm doing wonderful. <laughs> If you could send a message to your dad, if you were to listen to this, what would you like to say to him? And if you're not able to answer that, the next the buffer question to that would be, what would you like to say to fathers like your dad who might be listening to this? I would probably say thank you. Um, but also, I wish you had made more of an effort to connect. Thank you for that. Oh, well, I'm done with all of my questions. I know we took a deeper dive into your you know, story today, and I hope you're feeling okay with all of the outpourings you've done, because you said you haven't done this before, and it's something you don't really like talking about, not because you don't want to talk about it, just because you choose not to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So I hope you take some time to reflect on this, because I can imagine if you were like me, I might start having what I call vulnerability hangover where I get a little bit, you know, disconnected and I have to go back to my source and get centered again. So I hope I didn't take you too far away from your center. And if we did with our questions, I hope you take some time after this to explore that. And for all of my roughness in my edges, given that it's the first take doing this, 
I apologize for some of my roughness, but I really want to say thank you so much for um, trusting me with your story and giving the delicacy of nature, for not backing out and for being as honest and vulnerable as you were today. Dr. Peace. You're so very welcome. Thank you for this, uh, for this conversation. Uh, I think it was very, very therapeutic in a lot of ways. So I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, guys, this was the episode. Catch up us, catch us on another episode of the Mossable Podcast. And I remain your host, Doc Peace. Oh, sorry, why am I saying Doc Peace? <laughs> Jinx. <I'm> Doc Peace. <laughs> Yeah, she is the face. Well, catch us on another episode of the Mossible Podcast. I remain your host, Mossible. <laughs> that was fun. Well, anyways. <laughs>Thank you for listening to this episode of the Morrisable Podcast. Well, guess what? There's plenty more where that came from. So visit our website at www.mosibyl.com. That is www.mosibyl.com where you can find hours of other binge-worthy episodes just like this one. And while you're at it, please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Podbean as it encourages other awesome people like you to listen to the podcast as well. We are now officially on Podbean. It has an app. You can catch up on missed episodes and also get a notification when we have new episodes. Do you have a question for our guest, feedback on the episode, or a suggestion for a future guest? Then please get in touch with us by sending us an email at talktomore@mossible.com or connect with us via Instagram at the Morrisible Podcast. Cannot wait to hear from you and thank you so much for always listening. <laughs>